Amen. So we just started a new series last Sunday. If you weren't here last Sunday, or you, um, you can catch it on Facebook or uh, YouTube you can, or our website. But we're, we're talking about feelings, trying to reign over our emotions. Because we are living in a culture right now where we are bombarded by things that manipulate our feelings and our emotions and get us to accept things about ourselves and things and accept things about the world that is not biblical that doesn't line up with who we are in Christ Jesus or how God created this world to be. And as you guys know that if you use something in a manner that it wasn't designed to be used for, it, it either breaks things or it gets broken. And that's the same thing about our lives is is that if if we aren't living our lives in the way that God created us to live, we either break other people or we get broken. And before we get started here, I got a PSA announcement, a public service announcement. I'm being told that there's a strong possibility of being offended today. Right? There's a strong possibility of being offended. Because when you start when you start talking about feelings, right? This is how I feel. That you're dealing with emotions. You're dealing with you're you're stepping on the way that people interpret themselves. They interpret their lives, how they feel about things. So the good news is is that when the word of God, when truth comes in and and hurts our feelings, it's because He wants to heal us. He wants to restore us. He wants to Make us better, and uh, and the truth of the matter is, is that when our minds are offended, it's just God revealing our hearts. So, let's jump into this. We started this conversation on feelings, and so far we've seen that feelings are good. Our feelings are good if we are in control of our feelings, but they can do great harm when they control us. We've seen that God gave us our feelings. We've seen from Scripture that God Himself is an emotional God. He has feelings. We were created in His image. You know, one of the things that you have to understand as we get into this is that in the new birth, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit comes within you and makes you a new creation. Old things passed away, Scripture says, all things have become new. And the problem is, is when you look in the mirror, it don't look new. Right? When someone cuts, cuts you off in traffic, those thoughts that come in your mind don't seem like they're new. What we have to understand is that that newness is in our born-again spirit. You are a spirit. This is how God made us. You are a spirit. You have a soul, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a body. Most of your life, you have spent totally controlled by your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and your body. And what the Bible says is that after you're born again, you need to renew your mind. You need to transform your mind. 
Because then when you transform your mind by what the Word of God says, now your soul and your spirit, your heart become one. You're no longer double-minded. That's what it means to be double-minded. Is to think is when your soul is acting and thinking differently than your spirit, that is recreated in the perfect image of Christ. And, and the only way, that, and why this is so difficult is because we can feel our bodies, right? You can feel your body. When if I say hurtful things to you, you can feel your soul. You can, you, can, you can feel the way your emotions. But the problem is, is how, do you, how do you feel your spirit? How do, how do you know what your spirit's like? Well, the Bible says that when you look at Scripture, when you look at the Word of God, that it's a mirror. And we see ourselves in a mirror. When you look at Scripture, you see your true self. You see what your spirit looks like. And that's why you renew your mind to who you are in the Word, who you are in Christ. And everything else follows along. See, a lot of people are born again, and then they're thinking, it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. But they haven't taken the time to renew their minds. Stinking thinking leads to stinking life. Right? Amen or oh me, right? So, God gave us our feelings. He gave us our emotions. Our feelings and our emotions is what gives us the spice of life. It makes life worth living. You know, you're looking at a, a, a mountain vista and you're just looking at that view and you're awe-inspired. That all and, and just the way that it's making you feel makes makes it worth living. That's why people seek out those experiences because they, they I mean, so many people think that when they get to the mountaintops, that they're closer to God. Why? Because of that feeling of that experience, you know, love, joy, all the things that make life worth living is because God and His love for us gave us feelings. He didn't make us mindless robots. But a life that is not controlled, that doesn't control their feelings, is a life that turns into complete chaos. It's a life that turns into complete chaos. And we see this in our, in our society. Our society is all about how I feel. And tell me, you can turn on TV, you can watch a movie, modern day movies, you can watch... You can uh, get on social media, and it looks like chaos. It looks like people have lost their minds. Why? Because they are being controlled by their feelings rather than truth. We, we, are in a, we are in a time in history where there are people that tell you that you can't even, there, there is no truth. My truth is different than your truth. There is no truth. And like I said before, if is that true? Is it true that there's no truth? Well, then there is truth because you said there is. You understand? There is truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ. Jesus is truth. 
And, and, and the truth is, is that we already know this is true, that w- what we've been talking about. Um, that's why we say things like, don't make a, an emotional decision. Right? Even, even, even the world, even people that don't know Jesus, they, they understand that emotions can be dangerous. It, don't make an emotional decision. You know, don't make a rash decision in the, in the midst of heightened emotions. And have you ever said something that you wish you didn't say because you were emotional? Am I the only one? There are things that I have said that I wish I never said, and the only reason I said them is because I was not controlling my emotions. I was letting my emotions control me. Most mistakes are made in heightened states of emotions and feelings that come from outside circumstances. The truth is that as a new creation in Christ Jesus, no natural thing and no physical thing can stop you from experiencing joy. In your spirit is joy. In your spirit is peace. In your spirit is love. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is in you. And if we will walk in the Spirit, nothing in this world can steal our joy. Nothing in this world can steal our peace. We can love the unlovable because love is in us. And love has a name. His name is Jesus. Peace is already ours. It's, it belongs to us. It's the fruit of our born-again spirit. And you're sitting here thinking, yeah, Chad, but you don't know my situation. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what my situation is. And I would turn your eyes from your situation and say, you don't know Jesus. You don't know what He has gone through. You don't know the lengths that God Almighty, through history, continually weave in this story of the salvation of the world in Christ Jesus. The depths of Jesus going to the cross and He says, I count it all joy. In the midst of facing the most brutal death humanity has ever devised, Jesus Christ goes to the cross and counting it all joy. Why? Because He's seen you. He's seen me. He's seen the fruit of His sacrifice. It's it's amazing. We need to focus on God and what God has done in our life. Um, The battlefield is in our mind. There's a famous book written on that, The Battlefield of the Mind. I recommend that you you read it. Um, But... uh, the truth of the matter is, is that the battlefield's in our mind, and when we change our heart's attitude. Now, when I say the word heart, I'm not talking about this pump that's pumping blood in your body. I'm talking about the core of who you are. You know, when you talk about the heart of a of a novel, or or the heart of a tree, or the heart of the story, it's talking about the core, what it what it what it truly is, and. and our heart has an attitude. We have an attitude towards life and towards things. Right? And, and, and when we bring our heart and our emotions under control, 
by changing the way that we think, we can have emotional stability. We can be emotional stable, no matter what the circumstances may be. I mean, how many of you have seen, you know, we live in the most affluent nation on earth. And we're the most depressed people on the face of the planet. How many of you guys have seen clips of missionaries in third world countries and the joy on the kids' face running down the street, you know, getting a, a, a bowl of rice or a new pair of sandals or whatever, whatever they're, they're, they're dis, dispute, uh, distributing. The joy that's in, in, in people. You have joy in you. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It's, it's not what's on the outside that affects us. It's what's on the inside that affects us. And we're going to get into this even deeper. And, and, and by changing the way we think, we can have emotional stability no matter what our circumstances might be. Um, and, and the truth of the matter is that sin is birthed out of our feelings. Sin is birthed out of feelings. Now when I use the word sin, I'm using it in the biblical sense of missing the mark. Because the problem with so many religious people is that they categorize sin. There's big sins, little sins, God's alright with this sin. No, the truth of the matter is, is sin means to miss the mark of God's perfect design and plan for you. That's what sin means. To miss the mark. And when and sin is birthed from our feelings and, and feeling that 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 we're not control feelings that are controlling a person rather than a person controlling their feelings. Look at what it says. Well, we're not getting to Luke uh, James yet, so I got a little bit more to say. So we need to control our emotions. Our feelings are very important because of what they produce in our life. Your feelings are important. It, you know, some people say it doesn't matter how I feel. Yes, it does. Because they produce things in, in you. You know, your feelings can produce hormones within you. Right? They can produce hormones in you and, and that hormones that could be good for you. You know, the, the, um, the flight, the adrenaline, the uh, flea, all, all of that stuff. There can be good things in you. But there are also these hormones from the feelings that we, we, we acquire can be damaging to your health. You can be addicted to feelings. You can be addicted to these hormones. Also, feelings that are in the, play, in the place of conception um, where sin can be birthed out of you. And uh, if, you, if, if, if you want to get sin out of your life, you must control your emotions. You have to be emotional stable. Because that is where sin is birthed. This is going to be a revelation for you this morning. That the things that you dislike about your actions, the things that you dislike about the way that you see yourself, the, the things that you dislike about um, how you react to certain situations, you're going to get the revelation of how you can now reign over those issues. Look at the revelation that James gives us. In James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted... I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. 
There's a lot right here in this verse. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Do you understand that sin is missing the mark of God's perfection? So how can God tempt you to do something that isn't in His nature to tempt? God is holy. God is pure. God is perfect. God is not the source of your temptation. The, um, the Passion Translation puts it this way. When you are tempted, don't ever say, God is tempting me. For God is incapable of being tempted by evil, and He is never the source of temptation. The first thing in overcoming feelings that aren't true, feelings and emotions that are evil, is to acknowledge that God, your Heavenly Father, your Creator, does, did not make you feel that way. That God did not make you feel that way. Nor is it His will for you to feel any way that is not true to His Word or that is sinful. That's what James is telling us here. God is not the one that makes people depressed. God is not the one that makes people anxious. God is not the one that discourages people. God is not the one that makes us feel greedy, angry, sexually twisted, bitter, unthankful, or envious. Or any other ungodly emotion. God is not the source of that. But this is the exact opposite of what the world says. They say, I can't help it. God made me that way. God made me this way. God, <laughs> I was born this way. It's in my heritage. I can't help the way that I feel. It's not a choice. That is completely unscriptural. And we have Christians that speak this way. This is not the way of our Heavenly Father. That's the way, this is the way of the Father of lies. It's time that the church stops blaming God for what Satan is doing. Let's continue in verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The Passion Translation puts it this way, Instead, it is each person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil and lure them away into darkness. When it uses the word each, it's talking about all. Each of us. All of us. No one is exempt. No one is excluded. This is an in inclusive truth. All humanity falls in to this truth. That each person, when he is tempted, when he is, he is lured and enticed by his own desires. It applies to everyone. So the next step, after we acknowledge that God is not 
not the one that makes you feel this way, is to acknowledge that you are not unique in your situation. This is how it works with everyone. Satan, you, you, Satan tries to get you to believe that you're the only one that has ever felt this way. No one knows how you feel. And that your case, who you are, is completely different from everyone else. That's another lie from Satan. The King James uses lust instead of desire. By his own desire, by, it says that it's drawn away by lust, his own lust. And I intentionally did not use that, that um, translation of the Bible because when you use the word lust, most people think of sexual sin. They think, think of sexual desire. And lust can mean sexual desire. Right? But what he's saying here, he's saying that this desire, lust, it, it just simply means a strong desire. A, a, a strong, there's, a, there's like a strong pull that pulls you into a certain situation. And it can, and it can apply to any strong desire that we have in our life. Ice cream for some people, can be a strong desire, right? Temptation, um, it doesn't come from without, it comes from within. This is what James is saying. Temptation does not come from outside sources. It's something that it says you are lured away by your own desire. Your own desire. Temptation doesn't come from without, it comes from within but something from outside might trigger a response from within. But it's our own lust, our own desire, that is the problem. The way that it makes us feel. Our emotions. Our thoughts on that, on that desire. You know, Jesus used this example with, with the Pharisees. He's, he, he says that if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. He's not saying that that woman caused you to commit adultery. It said that you seeing that woman on the outside stirred something up that was in you already. And even though you don't follow the actions, in your heart you've already made, committed adultery. He, said, he goes on to say, if you just call your brother stupid, you call, you call, call him rocket, I think it says in the King James, that that and basically, I I can't stand you. I hate you. It says that you've already murdered him in your heart. And we talked about this last week. Is that the the reason why most people don't live out what's in their heart, even though it's in their heart, is because of consequences. If you remove all consequences, guess what? You see what's in people's hearts, right? That's why when people say what stays, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Because you remove all consequences, you remove and and it stays there like it never happened. Why? So they can live out the desires of their heart. Now, I'm not saying if you go to Vegas, that's what you're doing, but this 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 the same th- the same thing is true. With men in history, we talked about Mussolini. We talked about Hitler. We talked about these men that had 
no restraint on them and the, and the terrible things that they had done to society, to done to this earth, that people are still rocking and reeling from because it was in their hearts. You know, most, most people don't commit adultery because they don't want to lose half. Half the house, half the bank account. Half. That doesn't mean that that desire is still not in your heart. Most people don't murder people because they don't want to go to prison. That doesn't mean that you don't have to take care of what's in your heart. So when we deal with our lust, we deal with temptation. It's unrealistic to think that we can live in a world where there's and, and not have an opportunity um, to do something wrong, right? You're going to always have an opportunity to do something wrong. But if we choose to deal with our emotions, our feelings, and our, and our heart, and bring lust, bring these desires under submission, we can make temptation powerless. You can call, there, See, there's some things that you can't be tempted with. I think, I think my mom puts this on Facebook yesterday, Amanda read it to me, that you can leave her in a room with 5,000 bucks, every single cent will be there when you come back. But don't leave her in a room with a bag of M&Ms and expect them to be there when you come back. All right? There, 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 there are some things that don't tempt you. But there's other things that's a strong temptation. And so, sometimes your strong temptation can just to be depressed. There can be a strong to be, uh, temptation to be depressed. God didn't design you to be depressed. He didn't design you to be anxious. He didn't decide, design you to be angry. He didn't design you to be unthankful. Some of, some of the things that we're tempted to, to be that, are, that don't look like Jesus aren't these heinous sins. It, it, it's just simple things that rob life from us. But if we choose to deal with these, we can make temptation powerless. So let's move to the next verse. In verse 15, it says, Then desire, when it is, is conceived, gives birth to sin, and when it is fully grown, brings forth death. See, this is an exciting message, isn't it? It should be. You should be excited. Because we are opening, we are revealing James, this revelation that James is giving us is, is making temptation, making our feelings and our emotions powerless. How we can reign over them instead of them dictating and reigning over us. Again, the Passion Translation. I, I like the way that he interprets this, this Scripture. Evil desire... Oh, did I read it in the, in the regular yet? In James 1.15? Yeah, I did. So, in the Passion Translation, evil desires give birth to evil actions. And when sin is fully mature, it can murder you. What is the goal of the, of the enemy? To rob, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, but I have come that ye may have life and have it to the full. Have it in abundance. So this tells us that devil's bad, God is good. One, it, the devil robs, kills, and destroys. Jesus comes to give life. That's a revelation. 
Most people get them backwards. And, and, and so, so, sin doesn't, doesn't just jump on us. The comedian was wrong. The devil didn't make you do it. The devil can't make you do anything. You have to submit to His authority. That's why it tells us to submit to God and the devil will flee from you. Sin doesn't jump on you. It doesn't just happen like a seizure. You know, so many people say, I can't believe that I did that. You have to believe. The reason why you can't... People say that because, because they don't realize is that what they've been meditating on, the things that they've been thinking about, the way that they've been feeling day in and day out and day in and day out, finally conceived and birthed sin. And they can't believe that the Bible was true. Do you understand that sin is not something that has to be... That's, that sin is something that has to be conceived. It has to be conceived. If you don't understand this, you won't do anything to stop it from being conceived. That sin just doesn't happen. Sin has to be conceived and then it has to be birthed. Right? Just, just like a kid, we're going to look at this in a little bit, just like a child doesn't just happen. The stork just doesn't drop off a kid to you. It has to be conceived first. And then it has to be birthed. So think about this. If we could figure out, and we're going to talk about this and getting ahead of myself, if we could figure out how sin is being conceived, we can stop it from ever being birthed. If we can figure out why we're having these negative emotions, why we feel this way, and we can stop that, then those results of those negative emotions, those results of those negative feelings will never be birthed in our life. They'll never be manifested in our life. Right? So sin is conceived in our feelings. In our lust. In our strong emotion that tempts a person and pressures them into sin. And when lust, strong desires become a person's identity, the way that they see themselves and the way that they see the world, those feelings will become a stronghold and then will be the master of that person. This stuff just doesn't happen overnight. It, it's a process of living in a fallen world. Sin then begins, begins the process of killing you, for the wages of sin is death. James here is using this language of birthing. And here's a great illustration that I heard in reference to this. Imagine two people who didn't want to have a child, but constantly has physical relations with one another. Unless something is wrong physically with them, the woman, sooner or later, will conceive. Right? Imagine two people that don't they, 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 they just don't want to have a kid, but they keep engaging in 
an act that produces children. If a man and women don't want to, want to birth a child, the time to exercise choice is not after she has conceived. The time to exercise choice is before they have physical relations that result in conception. Right? This, this is very simple. But this is the language that James is giving us. So if, if, if in the same way, if you don't want to conceive or birth sin, then you need to control your feelings and emotions that birth them. You would never birth a physical act of sin if you first did not entertain the feelings, thoughts, and emotions that conceived sin on the inside of you. Think about that. Sin isn't something that just you do. It's, in, it's something that is in you. It has to be conceived before it is birthed. And sin is conceived in our soul, in our unrenewed mind, in our will, our emotions. People would never steal if they rejected the feeling of envy and greed that births steal the thoughts of stealing. You understand that? People would never murder if they rejected the feelings of hate and anger that births murder. People would never commit adultery if they rejected feelings of sexual lust, covetousness, fantasy romance that births adultery. I mean, do you get the point? I mean, people would never commit sodomy if they rejected the feelings of sexual perversion that births sodomy. People would never commit suicide if they rejected the feelings of depression that births suicide. Do you, do you see how important it is to control your feelings? To control your emotions? To control your heart? The core of who you are? To control your thoughts? This is an awesome revelation that James has given us, given us and, and we miss it. And this applies to all sin. Not just the big ones. The little ones. The, the, the ones that, that trip you up. The ones that make you feel like garbage. This, it's conceived within us. And then it's birthed into our lives. In Romans 8.6 it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So here in Romans, Paul is saying, the same thing. He's saying that Holy Spirit is telling us that to be spiritual minded, he's not saying it might lead to life and peace. He says that spiritual mindedness is life and peace. When we are spiritually minded, it we have life and peace. It's not something that's produced. It is life and peace. He, tell, he tells us that it is life and peace. A mind that is mining the things of the Spirit will have life and peace. So if you're not experiencing life and peace, what does that mean? 
You're carnally minded. See, I know stuff like this is offensive. Because most of the time we like to point that God's our problem. It can't be us. No, it says that if you are spiritually minded, you will have life and peace. Because a spiritually minded is life, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if there's any area in your life that you are not experiencing life and peace, I'll admit, there's areas in my life that it, sometimes it looks more like death than it looks like life and peace. Why? Because I am carnally minded in that area of my life. This can happen in your relationships. This can happen in your finances. This can happen in your health. This can happen in, in, in your emotional state. In, you know, if you're depressed, all of these things. It, it's due to the fact of being carnally minded. Carnally minded. Carnal mindedness doesn't just tend towards death. It equals death. It equals death. And our young people are being bombarded just as much or as the adults of just social media that's constantly feeding them with carnal imagery, carnal, carnal thoughts, carnal feelings, carnal emotions. And we wonder why teen suicide is at an all-time high. Any area of your life where you're experiencing death is an area that you are carnally minded and not spiritually minded. I know this doesn't preach well. But this is the answer. If you want life and peace, we got to get the carnal mindedness out of our lives. Death here is so much more than just physical death where our soul and spirits depart from our bodies. It's talking about all areas of our life, sickness, depression, anger, poverty, anything that is, the re, is from the results of sin that, it, that forms death. Look at how the Amplified Version puts this verse. Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Because you are being soulish. You are being controlled by your thoughts. You're being controlled by your emotions. It says, is death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. It's saying that death, that sin, or a mind that is carnally minded, that is not under the, the influence of Holy Spirit, leads to death and misery, not only in the life after, but here on earth. If you're married and you're miserable, guess what? You're kindly minded. If you can't get along with your kids, guess what? You're carnally minded. If, if you are dealing with sexual perversion, you're carnally minded. If you don't know if you're a boy or a girl, you're being carnally minded. 
carnally, to be carnally minded is death. And it, and, and, and it says, but the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and, and soul peace. Your mind, your will, your emotions, it, 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 it experiences the peace of God that passes all understanding. This is God's will for you. God's will is not to, to ruin your party. God's will is for your party to never end. He, he, he wants you to experience true peace. The burden of, the, the burden of, of, of religion, the burden of sin, the, the, burden, the burden of this world to be just taken off your shoulders and to experience real peace and experience real life. This is what your Father desires from you. And he goes, he says, but the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace both now and forever. Oh me or oh amen. Right? This is so profound. When you're spiritually minded, it is life and peace. Your life is a result of the thoughts that you have sown into it. Isn't it interesting that Pastor Tom spent some time on this this morning already. Proverbs, Proverbs tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You want to know why that you are the way that you are? Not because God made you that way. It's because how you think in your heart. As you think in your heart, so are you. Jesus said, from the heart flows all the issues of life. You have any issues in life? Where does it flow from? It, does it flow from your, your boss? Does it flow from your in-laws? Where does it flow from? It says it flows from your, your heart. It's your heart that caused the issues of life. Jesus makes it perfectly clear in Mark, Luke chap, or in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 45 when He says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Anything. And again, when we read these things, we're thinking, I'm not evil. If it doesn't line up with Jesus, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's evil. It's evil. We gotta get rid, we gotta get rid of this idea that we are good people. Apart from Jesus, we are not good people. The only thing that makes us good is Jesus. You reap what you plant. If you say that you planted watermelon, and I go out to your field to pick some watermelon, and all there is is skunkweed. Somebody's lying. Somebody's not telling the truth. So, something's wrong, and I'm telling you, I don't think the seed was the liar. You only are lying to yourself when you say that these things aren't in you, 
but you're harvesting the fruit of it. We need to purge our hearts. We need to purge our hearts because you only reap what you sow. You only reap what you you sow. Some people say, I don't get it. Nobody ever likes me. I don't have any friends. Do you sow friendship? Do you sow love? Do you sow compassion? Do you sow, do you sow into people's lives? We, we need to sow into loving others. We need to sow into forgiving others. We need to sow in our gratitude. We need to sow in all these areas of our life that makes life attractive and, and worth living. So what does it what does spiritually minded people look like? Right? If 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 to be spiritual minded means that 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 we have life and peace, what does what does a spiritual minded look like? I mean, think about it. Does he look like a monk that takes a vow a vow of silence and lives in a uh, monastery somewhere? No, most of those do that to avoid what's inside of them. If I see, that's why people do that. If I can just cut off all all outward temptation, then I won't sin. But that's not the problem. The problem is in you, your heart, your heart. You know, it's no it's it, it's no uh, uh, secret that we follow Karis Bible College and, and Andrew Walmack and stuff. And you know, it, 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 he shocks people sometimes when he gets on stage and he says, "You know what? I commit all the adultery that I want. I steal all that I want. I can murder all that I want." He goes, I just don't want to. I just don't want to. See, it's not the things on the outward that make us who we are. It's what's inside of us. It's what's inside of us. It's what you've been planting inside of you. So what does, what does it look like? What does it look like to be spiritual minded? Is it, is it just sitting around contemplating spiritual things all day? Look at what Jesus says here. Maybe this is where his brother, his half brother James, got this idea from. In John chapter six, verse sixty-three, it says, "It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life." Life only comes from what? The Spirit. Our flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are Spirit and they are life. The Word of God, especially the Word of God filtered through the lens of Jesus Christ, is spiritual. It's spiritual. So, Jesus is telling us to... Being spiritual minded 
is nothing more than thinking in line with God's with what God's word says. That's what a spiritually minded individual looks like. You 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 probably can't spot them by their outward appearance, by the way they dress. But you can spot them by the fruit of their life. You can spot them by the words that come out of their mouth. You can spot them by the Word being produced in their life. God's Word is Spirit. God's Word is truth. And being spiritual minded is nothing more than thinking in line with that. Being spiritual minded is life and peace. And life and peace happen when we agree with God's Word. This is a spiritual law. There is no exceptions. There's no exceptions to this. If you spend time in the Word, if you renew your mind to the Word, you will see your life transformed. It's a guarantee by God. You will no longer be who you used to be. Those strongholds will be rooted up in the name of Jesus. You, you will have, find joy and peace and, and love just flowing from you. you gentleness, kindness, you know, um, self-control, faithfulness, all of these things would just, will just start bubbling up within you because you're being spiritually minded. This is, there's no exception. If, if you are carnally minded, it will lead to death. If you are spiritual minded, it's life and peace. There's no exceptions and you will not be the first exception. And so often, as I, I, I like to say, the Word of God works if you work it. This, this, is, how, this is how it is. We had, we've had, we had, had three different people. James, the half-brother of Jesus. Paul, the Apostle that wrote three-quarters of the New Testament. And Jesus Christ Himself all proclaiming the exact same truth. So we need to understand, the flesh does not necessarily mean sinful. See, that's another thing. We, we, when you hear the word flesh, Christians think, well, that's sinful. No, it's not necessarily sinful. All sin, all sin is rooted in the flesh, but not all flesh is sinful. Flesh just means of the five physical senses. What we see, what we taste, what we hear, what we smell, what we, what we feel. That becomes our reality. That becomes our truth. That becomes our identity. It's being dominated by your physical senses. So you might not necessarily be doing anything that is religiously sinful, but if you're completely controlled by your flesh, your five physical senses, and it takes you away from what the Word of God says about you. It takes, takes you away from that, that, the understanding that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. That you are the righteousness of God in Him. See, this also works when we do fail. When we do sin. 
There are so many people that miss the mark that they've sinned. Some little sins, some grievous sins. Some are habitual sins that it seems to continue to happen in their life. Why? Because they haven't renewed their mind. They haven't taken their emotions under control by the Word of God. But then a feeling comes in of condemnation. Then a feeling comes in of guilt. Then a feeling comes in of separation. That, you're, that, that God has rejected you and you are an outcast. And now you've got to climb the religious ladder to get back into His good graces. That's not what the Word of God says. That's still being carnally minded. All religion. Now what do I mean by religion? I mean man-made, works-based idea of relationship with God. If I do this, this, and this, then God is pleased with me. If I don't do this, this, and this, then God's not pleased with me. No, God is pleased with Jesus. And if you are in Jesus, He is well pleased with you. See, what happens is, is then we get into this works mentality and we fall under guilt, condemnation. We, we, we fall into abandonment. We fall into feeling that God doesn't love us when the Word of God says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It says, awake to righteousness and sin not. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace in your time of need. He says that there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? Do you see that even when we're trying to be religious, it's if it's in the flesh and not based in the Word, it still brings death. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant, Paul says it was a ministry of death. Why? Because we cannot, we, we cannot heal ourselves on our own. We can't save ourselves on our own. It's all of God. It's all of Jesus. So if you're carnally minded rather than spiritually minded, you will have death rather than life and peace. Jesus is what it means to be spiritually minded. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the Word of God made flesh that dwelt among us. Everything that we read, everything that we see in, the, in Scripture, it needs to point directly to Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. Your good works are not your Savior. The way that you, that the way that you eat is not your Savior. The, the way that you dress is not your Savior. All our religious, self-righteous acts are nothing but filthy rags. Our Savior is Jesus. We focus on Jesus. We read the Word and the Word transforms us because it's empowered with the life of Jesus. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing the soul and the spirit. Why does it divide the soul and the spirit? Because your spirit looks just like Jesus and you need the Word of God to be that 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 that. that that divider in our minds 
that, that renews it, transforms it to the Word of God. To how you are in your soul. You know, it also says that when Jesus comes back, we will see Him and we will be made like Him. Why? Because in you, He's already in you. In your spirit, in your born again spirit, you have the kingdom is already there. It's already there. Amen. Do you see how powerful and how important feelings are? You see how the enemy and culture and pe- people manipulate our feelings. Go go by go to a car lot. <laughs> people will manipulate your feelings. To make you feel a certain way to get you to do a certain thing. That's what advertising is all about. Making you feel like you're incomplete. I need this. I gotta have it. I'm not a real man. I'm not a real woman. I I I, I don't have life if I don't have this thing. And all they do are doing is manipulating your feelings. It is so important that we reign over our feelings because if we do not reign over our feelings, our feelings and our emotions will reign over us. Will this happen instantly? No. You, you, didn't, you, we didn't, you didn't get the thought processes and these emotions and the way that you react to things of life just one day. It's a life. It's the way that you've interpreted life. It's the, it's the pain that you've experienced in life. Life is hard. Life is, it, 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 some, for some people, it has been terrible. But we can't let life determine who we are. We've got to let God be the determining factor of who we are. And who are you? You are a child of the Most High God. You are His beloved. You are filled with the fullness of God. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. What is that true? It's true. Is it true that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places? Well, then what are we doing here? What are we doing here if we're seated with Christ in Him? Your spirit. You have been made one spirit with Him, right? One. One. One means singular, right? If the Word of God says that you've been made one spirit with Him, whose spirit is in you? Jesus. And if Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, we can say that we're seated with Him in heavenly places. See, th- these are all, this is all mysteries. We talked about this last week, but I think this is so profound that people just got to get this in their, in their thinking that the Old Testament is just Jesus hidden and, and the new creation hidden. hidden. And, and Jesus... Or, Everybody wanted to make a temple for God. We had tabernacles. We had temples. 
We had all these things in the Old Testament so that God can dwell among His people. That was even God's heart that, that, that He may dwell among His people. But it wasn't perfect in the Old Testament. It's not what He truly desired. And what was the tabernacle? What was the temple? How was it made? It was made by the instructions that God gave them. And you had an outer court in the temple and the tabernacle. You had an inner court, the holy place, in the, in the temple and the, in the tabernacle. You had the inner, the holy of holies. You have a body, the outer court. You have a soul, the holy place. And you have a spirit, the holy of holies. And Paul tells us, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and God lives in you? When Jesus cleansed the, the temple, it was in the holy place. Not the holy of holies, the holy place. They were selling, they were there was all this chaos. There was all this carnal stuff happening in the holy place. And twice in Jesus' ministry, when He first started His ministry, and just before He went to the cross, He cleansed the temple. Your holy place is your soul, your mind. And it's time to allow Jesus to cleanse the temple. Cleanse our mind. That His house would be a house of prayer. That His house would be a place of worship. That His house would be a place of celebration. That our minds would be cleansed from fleshy things so that we might have life and we might have peace. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www www.charisntc.org And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.